0: You're listening to the Faith Made Welcome Podcast, a progressive podcast of faith where we look at Christianity from a progressive Baptist tradition. This podcast is brought to you by Commonwealth Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. So whoever you are, wherever you are, or whatever you think about faith, you're welcome here. Please let us know what you think about our podcast by subscribing to it or by sharing it with someone who may be looking for a podcast like this and we would love to hear your feedback. So please leave us a comment or question on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Let's get started.
1: Ready? Okay. So welcome to Faith Made Welcome, episode two. Uh, We have different folks, sort of, in the room today. So who do we have with us today? Pastor Robin, one of the pastors at Commonwealth Baptist Church. Mm
0: -hmm. And I'm back again, another pastor at
2: Commonwealth Baptist Church.
1: And I'm still Sherry Spiegel, not a pastor at Commonwealth Baptist Church. But we also have...
2: I am Courtney Hodge, and I am the coordinator for religious education for Commonwealth Baptist Church. Also not a minister, not a pastor. But... Not yet. But we're working on that. We're working
1: on that. Yeah, yeah. But we still sometimes get to hear Courtney preach, and it's magical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it is. Oh,
2: yeah, that's true. I do preach. Yeah. So,
1: cool. Uh, well, we are here to talk about the second episode in our church's series on, um, I, my mind just totally blanked on the name of the service. <laughs> the activist Preacher Series. That part I got. What, what the th-
3: World Needs Now is dot, dot, dot. Yes.
1: For some reason, I keep wanting to call it the All-You-Need-Is. It's a little more of a John Lennon vibe. Um, (laughs) So, for folks that maybe haven't done their homework and didn't listen to the sermon this week, uh, shall we tell them a little bit about what the sermon was about?
0: Well, this week, the sermon's topic was about what the world needs now is a new covenant. Which was an intriguing... Um, title to me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the world needs a new covenant. Cool. Uh, Shall we say a little bit about who our preacher was?
3: Yes. Uh, Our preacher was uh, Sanja Ja, who is a Disciples of Christ minister uh, and activist out in Oakland, California. Um, She has written numerous books, um, I know that she has one that just came out. She runs the Oakland Peace Center. She, I, I know that a good deal of her work has to do with anti-racism. hmm
1: Yeah, I love um, on her website, she has sort of like this subtitle about herself where she describes herself as wonk, activist, and abadur of hope. And so I think mm. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so she's calling for a new covenant. How does that come about? Like, where's she coming from on that? Um, we can start with her scripture. The, the mm-hmm. scripture passage that she
3: used is um, from Psalm one 103. Mm-hmm. And that, the, the verses that she reads, she reads verses 15 through 18, I think. And that calls for... It it says that God's love is everlasting and will be God's grace and love will be passed on um, to not only the people who love God, but their children and their children's children. Uh, And the people that that it talks about God keeping covenant with are those those who keep covenant with God and those who remember God's commandments. Mm -hmm. So she begins her sermon by talking a good bit about what is covenant. What does that mean to keep covenant? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I like she she kind of spends a little time thinking about her own relationship to the idea of covenant and even talking about early church work where she wants to get sort of like, you know, settled into her first church work job. And she's like, why are we talking about it as a contract? Why don't we talk about it as a covenant? And I think covenant's kind of a weird word to me. Like, isn't covenant kind of like high church? Like, how do you all think about what is a covenant?
2: I don't know. For me, covenant is reminds me that both parties are invested in it working out well Mm -hmm. and not to the point of like when you're talking about a contract both parties agree to just do something um for whatever reason like you're, you're just engaging in the contract it's more you know for following rules legality and things like that but for me a covenant is like it's more intimate than that it's like for my well-being, for your well-being, we're going to enter into this covenant. And so when I think about covenant, I think about marriage. And mm-hmm. so like a marriage being a covenant, not necessarily a contract to be fulfilled, but more so like trying to align, you know, your spiritual, emotional goals together. So like, that's what I think of when I think of a covenant. And I think that's the difference for me between a covenant and a contract. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because a contract, you lay down the terms, and then our natural tendency is to like try to um, find the loopholes in that contract so we can get the most out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but with a covenant, it's kind of the opposite. We're trying to get out of the way that's what's keeping us from entering into a relationship. So I guess that's kind of a different in the contract and covenant.
3: I think one, one thing I would add to that is that a, a contract um, has an element of protection, right, that we put some things in place so that that I am protected from you finding the loopholes right. in the contract, mm-hmm. whereas a covenant, I think of, if I think of covenant in biblical terms, I feel like covenant is rooted in trust as opposed
1: to distrust. Right. Like, it seems to me that contracts assume the worst in people, Right and then
0: yeah their intentions are worse like because we have to have a contract because i don't trust you
1: right exactly so we're gonna we're gonna develop a a contract it's a protection but i don't think of covenants as protection and you saying that that
3: uh contracts assume the worst in the other person that kind of puts a spin there on god repeatedly making covenants with humanity in scripture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's this I guess this element that god god keeps assuming the best in humanity and we keep screwing it up. Right. And so god ends up making more than one covenant. You know, we we start with Noah, that there's the covenants after mm-hmm. the flood and then God establishes a covenant with Abram and Sarai, and then that covenant gets extended onto their descendants. And then later we had the Ten Commandments when the uh, Hebrew people are wandering through the wilderness. We've got a covenant with David. And then the prophets keep saying there's going to be a new covenant. There's going to be a new covenant. And then we've got Jesus. And, you know, those of us who are non-Jewish are brought into the covenant. So there is kind of almost a sadness if you think about it. If, it. if we think of it as God assuming the best in humanity, <laughs> and then we just mess it up over and over and over again.
1: Right. And we clearly don't assume the best in each other, right? That's mm-hmm. why we're like knee-deep in contracts all the time. Like, oh yeah, I'd yeah. like to do something with you, but we're gonna need a prenup. We're gonna need a contract.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. I don't know. I think about it, too, in terms of, like, We Us being God's children and just like new covenants that I I make with my son, Eli, right? And so it's not just about him, you know, messing things up, but it's about my expectations changing. Over time, I have different expectations of him as he grows. And so as we grow as the children of God, I think God changes up what the expectations are, are like, look, when we first started out, we're going to have rules about, you know, eating and all of this stuff. But now it's like, hey, let's work on rules about like how we treat each other. And so it's kind of like, you know, I I take it to to be like, yes, in part, <laughs> we are messing things up and we need to readjust. But also in part, like, I think God's expectations of us are changing as we develop relationship uh, with God. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because um, I was listening to somebody talk about covenant and he talked about the covenant with Abraham, told him that he was going to bless him, his family and the land. Mm-hmm. And this land aspect has kind of, is kind of like goes throughout the Old Testament. But when Jesus came along, it was like, like Courtney was saying, the expectation has changed and the good news of what God is trying to do. Expanded to include other people and their lands and their communities, and mm-hmm. it's kind of this inclusion when when we flip over to the New Testament. So you see this this wave of God trying to relate to us through covenant mm-hmm. throughout the Bible,
1: bringing more people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
3: <clears throat> what both of y'all are saying makes me think about um, my I think favorite passage in the new Testament outside of, I guess the gospels would be safe to say is the story in acts when, um, Jesus calls Cornelius and, you know, he's, he's a Gentile. And, uh, then Peter is on the roof of the house and he has this vision where God is co- this, um, cloth comes down in his vision and there's all of these animals that aren't kosher to eat. Mm-hmm. And God says, eat. And Peter, um, you know, very faithfully and devoutly says, by no means, Lord, you know, I'm not going to eat the unkosher food. And God is saying, no, 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 eat. And he's saying, by no means, I'm not going to eat the kosher, you know, the unkosher, the food that's not kosher. And then uh, Cornelius's servants knock on the door and, and tell Peter about this Gentile who knows Jesus and Peter goes. And, and so there's this, you know, that story isn't necessarily about covenant. But it, it is a story about God expanding the welcome, right? And I think that connects with what you were saying, Courtney, about, um, God's expectations changing. Like maybe we as humanity are ready for the next step. And that's what I sense that Sanja is talking about in her sermon mm-hmm. with a new covenant is that, that, that we're, we as people, are, are we're we're ready for more? And mm-hmm. so we, God has higher expectations for us, and we should have ex- higher expectations for ourselves and for one another mm-hmm. to continue that expanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That story is in Acts chapter ten, just in case y'all need a reference. Because I got beat last week in the Bible drill. So. <laughs> <laughs> this <Just spurting laughs> is redemption Bible story. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: There's my redemption right there.
1: Yeah. Marty won the Bible drill this week. Though the rest of us didn't know we were playing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This story is actually told twice in Acts. That's how important it is. Do you remember where the second reference is?
1: I think it's 14,
0: but I might be wrong. Uh, I don't know. Where's the Bible? I'm just kidding. Let's keep going.
1: I got a hymnal. Hmm. So, yeah. So we were thinking a little bit about her sermon and how... um, the, sort of why she's calling for a, a new covenant. And a lot of it is very, you know, like we've thought about this a lot in terms of like Jesus and, in the old Testament stories and the new Testament stories. Um, but she locates it very directly within the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and she spends a lot of time thinking about how we got here, like in terms of like America and its founding and principles that went into setting up our government. And then, Understanding where we are and recognizing the need for religious liberty, she calls for a new covenant. So, what's happening there? Like, what what's her critique, or 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 what are our critiques? I guess of like where we are as a not necessarily as a country, but to some extent, like why do we need a new covenant in this country? Softball question number one.
0: Well, it goes back to like what we were talking about: contract versus covenant. Uh-huh. And now we kind of see the Constitution as this contract and we try to get the most out of it because we don't trust people to respect our rights. Uh-huh. Um, and I think what she's saying is that we need to rewrite the Constitution as it is as a covenant so that we enter into a relationship so that everybody is has the equal rights and benefits and The whole system works for everybody. That's what we've been longing for. And that's what some people say this country is built upon. Mm -hmm. And um, but, yeah, I think that's where she's kind of getting this idea from. It's like, you know, the contract is going back to this safeguards me from anything you can do to me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think she's trying to say, well, if it's a constitution for our country, then every citizen should benefit from it. It should be a relationship.
1: Right,
3: right. She also uh, references the documentary Thirteen, mm-hmm. and that highlights the that's, loophole. Yeah, right, that's you talked about there heavy. being loopholes in contracts. Yeah, and so that clause in the Thirteenth Amendment about that the freedoms are granted to those who are not. Criminals. Criminals. huh Yeah. That loophole has opened the door to a great deal of injustice coming out of an amendment that, in theory, on the surface, you would think was supposed to grant freedom.
0: Yeah, and the other thing about the 13th was that idea that they kept renaming racism. Uh They kept renaming it. Like, it was first, um, they kept renaming, like, you couldn't, black people couldn't vote. And when they could, you could only do it if you weren't a criminal. And they kept renaming how they were going to do the loophole, Uh Um, which was kind of eye-opening to me a little bit like we keep renaming our problem and not dealing with our problem
1: mm-hmm. so. well and I think that I mean that's what yeah there's something about the the um, the power of words to help us to sidestep what actually are the problems yeah
2: yeah, yeah I think that I think contracts kind of get into like the words of something all right mm-hmm. these are the words that are said Con- covenant I think gets to like what's the intent behind it right and and following through with that intent and you know it's kind of like this thing where all right you know we're forced by contract to end slavery um but we're not adhering to the intention of that but what we're gonna do is okay Well, we're not going to have slaves, but we're going to have sharecroppers and we're not going to pay you very much. And so it's going to be basically the same, but we're going to call it something different. Um, Okay, so everybody has to vote. Well, fine. Everybody can vote, but only if your grandfather has voted before. And so like we just find ways to try to, you know, not follow the intent of it, but just follow the word of it. And uh, that's where I think, you know. Uh, she's getting at when she's talking about covenant like covenant is so much deeper than the words it it goes to the the intent um because we just find different ways to just display racism we just call it different names Mm
1: -hmm. there's an interesting way where a lot of this i think connects into issues related to hierarchy and um When I was listening to her preach, I kept thinking about uh, Octavia Butler has this novel, Dawn, which is like one of my favorite books in the world. Um, And in it, it's a sci-fi novel. But in this novel, um, humans have basically all but destroyed themselves. And these aliens, again, sci-fi. So the aliens come and they're trying to save the humans. And they basically identify um, something that they think is ultimately like the toxic element about humanity. And that toxic element is that we are both hierarchical and intelligent. And, and they think that we can have one or the other, but not both. And so for Octavia Butler, this is like her like warning to humanity in a lot of ways is that it is our tendency for hierarchy that actually destroys us. Um, It's that combination of that and intellect. And I see that a little bit in how we, we insist upon contracts in part, maybe, um, or we are drawn to them because we're hierarchical. We can't we can't believe everyone's sort of equal. We we're always developing these tiers of humanity, and I think if you look in how our government is set up, there's hierarchy in everything that we we do, right? Um, and so, um, I don't know. I've thought a lot about how hierarchy contributes to some of the problems that sort of started with, I mean, the founding of our country, ultimately.
3: And protecting our spot in the hierarchy. Yes. Right? So you don't want to be, even if you're not on the top rung of the ladder, at the very least, you can keep yourself from being knocked down to a, a lower rung on the ladder. Right. Which is often why white women... Will align themselves with white patriarchy Mm -hmm. as opposed to aligning themselves with black women. Right. Um, That we will sacrifice, right, our own well being as women for fear that we might lose our place on the ladder.
1: Right. The danger of white lady
3: tears. Mm -hmm, Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Which I guess, I mean, goes back to this connection of covenant and, and trust. That if we're going to create covenant with one another, we've got to be invested in each other's lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to think about covenant because I think one of the first steps of covenant is actually caring about the other parties. Mm-hmm and their well-being. Um and it's funny, okay, so I have a pop culture reference. Yes. Um so I'm a fan of Grey's Anatomy. Been watching Grey's Anatomy since the very beginning. Uh-huh. And there's a couple in Grey's Anatomy, April and Jackson, and Jackson's wealthy and so they had a prenup. Um and the relationship doesn't work out so they're ending up going through a divorce and they're having a hard time, but then they remember the prenup. And not just like what was in the prenup, but why the prenup was written. Um, Because like Jackson says, this prenup was written by two people who loved each other, who wanted to protect each other, if anything went awry. And so, um, you know, like even in that contract, their intent to not protect themselves, but to protect the other, um, I think made a difference in in, in what that was, it was more of a, a covenant than just a contract. And so I think it really does go down to like, you actually have to care about the other before mm-hmm. you enter into a covenant. Um, but for us, I feel like what's happened is our contracts are based on a flawed system. And so um, we might have to start with some contractual negotiations before we can get to the covenant part. But like, it's it's based on a system that was designed to, um, Marginalized, and so when you're ba- when you're working from a flawed system, you often get flawed products, and this is what we're mm-hmm. seeing that's just coming to a head. It's just like it's the it's the response to a flawed system in the first place. Building a, a laws in in a country on a flawed system.
3: Mm-hmm. It's, you were making me think about how contracts can be written in a way to. To protect, like you're talking about this this one prenup that is in Grey's Anatomy, uh, isn't the the contract that is signed at a traditionally at a at a Jewish wedding the ketubah, Isn't that mm-hmm. essentially a contract that essentially protects the woman if a wedding dissolves because historically women had no property, no rights outside from their, the husband. Mm-hmm. And so this contract is signed as a protection so that if the marriage dissolves, she is not left with nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to think about when we have, co- like, so that's kind of an an example of, a contract designed to protect. Um, I don't know why I'm thinking. So we have at our church, we have a church covenant, right? We do. So, but we don't have a church contract. We have a church Mm -hmm. covenant. So um, what's the deal with our church covenant? So our church covenant
3: essentially says that we are gonna commit to trying to live as community of faith Mm -hmm. um you know it says trusting that we've been brought by divine grace to embrace the lord jesus christ we now solemnly covenant with each other that we're going to seek first the kingdom of heaven and god's righteousness and then it lists ways that we are going to try and live that out and so you know we are going to care for each other and look out for one another we're going to nurture our spiritual formation, right? We're going to practice worship, we're going to pray, we're going to study. Um we're going to participate in each other's lives, whether that's like sharing joys together, whether that's, you know, being with each other when somebody's having a really hard time. So I mean, right there, right? That's covenant. We're <laughs> we're we're promising that we're going to be invested in each other's lives, not just come sit in the same space together or watch the same thing together. We commit to investing in the life of the church, right? We're going to give our time. We're going to give our, we're going to share our talents. We're going to give money Mm -hmm. um, to help fund um, and keep the ministry of this church, this community going, uh, that we're going to try our very best to love each other regardless of our differences whether those are political differences racial gender socioeconomic that we're 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 going to we're going to try to kind of set right get off the ladder mm-hmm. set set aside the hi- hierarchy and love each other with our the you know the good the bad and the ugly. Mhm. Mhm.
0: Mhm. And I think that's kind of like the backbone of of our church is trying to be inclusive Um, even though i would say theologically we're all over the spectrum in our church Mm -hmm. right but we come in and we have these ideas and we talk and like i said before uh, nobody really questions people's intentions about it and that's how we can get out of the way of saying i need a contract to protect myself of you i can enter into covenant and try to grow with you Mm -hmm. is a kind of what our covenants kind of about. Mm -hmm.
3: But I think that even in our church, that has been a a process. You know, we've talked about this revelation, you know, this, this ongoing, um, process and expectation because, you know, the church was that 15 years ago, officially made the decision to become open and affirming. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, that, that was a, a step for the church. The church had a female pastor in the 90s, which was way before any Baptist had a female pastor, had a woman pastor, right. and that I'm sure was a step. Now we are have committed ourselves to, to doing the work to try to become as solidly anti-racist as we are open and affirming of those who are LGBTQAI, mm-hmm. and that, again, has been and continues to be a process.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things I like about our church covenant is, well, one, I think it's, it aims to be um, inclusive. Um, I in particular like that we use a lot of we language instead of a lot of you language. So it's not like, as a member of this church, you will behave this way. You will do this. It is, here's who we are. Here's what we're going to try and do in community. But I also seem to understand it as it's an evolving covenant in a lot of ways. Like this is... We, a bunch of flawed people, will come together (laughs) and try to do some of this work together, and this is who we want to be together, is kind of how I see the Church Covenant.
2: Yeah, I think when you're talking about covenants and you're talking about contracts and and what you just mentioned, Sherry, about like the do's and don't do's like it's so contractual. Mm -hmm. I feel like a a contract is more like about behavioral alignment. Right. Uh A covenant is more about character alignment. And so what you're trying to do in a contract is like, hey, look, these are the rules. Just follow them. But for character alignment, you're looking at. All right. These are our values. These are the things that we hold as important and this is why we adhere to them. And I think actually, you know, this shift is, is really interesting because um, I've been reading a lot about parenting because, you know, that's the thing I do. <laughs> um, and like they're talking about um, like, I, I, I watched this parenting video and um, they were like, why, why discipline has changed over time. And um, it's like, well, now we're, we're making it important for kids to have a voice. And so like, you can't just focus on like behavioral alignment with kids. You actually have to work on teaching them some ethics and like why we do the things that we do. Um, because there's been a shift and I feel like this shift is maybe being felt also like in a, in a larger society that like, we've got to get to the why. We do these things? Why is it important to have um, equality for all? Um, why do we need to change the way we view other people? Because, like, behavioral correction is not enough. People just learn to hide their bad behaviors. Uh, so, we have to work on that, that character alignment. Now, behavioral alignment is, is good while you're working on the character alignment, but yes. <laughs> the goal is, is character alignment, not behavioral alignment.
3: I, I'm glad that you said that second part, Courtney, because I think that one thing that white Christians often fall back on when we're talking about the hard stuff, you know, like you'll hear the little phrase like, we don't have a skin problem, we have a sin problem. Or things aren't going to change unless you change the hearts. And on the deepest level, like you're saying, on the deepest level, that's that's true, right? We can pass laws for equality, and people can refuse to bake the wedding cakes and go to court and try and find the loopholes. And so, if if hearts aren't changed, if the the um, ethics and the inside isn't changed. The, the, the laws, the constitution, the contracts won't necessarily work. Yet, the flip side of that is we can't use this whole, it's all got to come from the heart as an excuse to never make the right changes. Mm-hmm. So there, there's, right. there's both, right? Like we as a society need the new constitution. Mm-hmm. Yet we as people of faith, need to engage in the hard work to one, push for the new constitution, the things that need to change, but also to be invested in them on like a deep level, right? Uh We need to be transformed Uh as society transforms, right? Right. Yeah, like and I think spiritual that spiritual formation we talked about last week. Sorry, Courtney, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
2: No, it's fine. Sorry, I was interrupting. Um, and I think that goes back to, uh, like when I was in seminary, uh, my, my professor of uh, Old Testament talked to us about lenses and that everybody views the Bible through a mm-hmm. certain lens and try to understand what your lens is. And um, my lens has always been what I realized was, uh, love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So that's my lens. That's what like, my faith is all about uh and so it, it it reminds me of like what we're talking about now it's like but before we got there we had the 10 commandments just rules <laughs> just rules that's what we had you start with rules and then you work on that so like it's it's not a just because we understand that like until the 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 character changes you can't really Um, always adhere to the behavior wholeheartedly doesn't mean that we're not going to work on the behavior uh, because that's just in my way that's that's just cop out that's Mm -hmm. a cop out it's like oh well you know we just got to wait we got to pray and like you wait you pray like people don't change just like one day they wake up you know what I think everybody should have the same rights as I have, and I'm gonna go and fight for that. Like, sometimes it's rules and understanding and, and, and trying to adhere to a bigger picture, and then that works in to some people understanding, okay, I see how this benefits, I see why this is a good thing, and then character alignment can change as well.
3: And along with that, with the with the rules, also goes comes education. That's making me think about 13th again. And, you know, there, there were parts of that history that I knew. You know, I, I knew that private prisons are making a lot of money. And so we have, there's economic benefit to having lots of people in prisons. I did not, however, realize that it is also economics that is now suddenly driving the movement to not have so many people in prisons. You know, like I thought, oh, we're getting enlightened and we're realizing that people shouldn't be in jail necessarily because they sold some pot. Mm -hmm. I did not realize that there are people who are invested in making a whole lot of money and basically imprisoning people in their homes by making them wear expensive ankle bracelets. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing, just repackaged. And so... It's important for me to, to know that, right? I think the final gut punch in that documentary is when Brian Stevenson at the very end is saying, you know, if you asked yourself what you would do if you were alive during the civil rights movement, if you asked yourself what you would do if you were alive during slavery, if you asked yourself what you, are, what you would have done if you were alive during Jim Crow and lynchings and all this kind of stuff, what are you doing now? Because mm-hmm. it's the same thing it's just packaged differently. So part of it is is education so that we're not fooled into supporting those loopholes that prevent everyone from having justice, right? Some people can have good motives but just be ignorant. And that's right? That's
0: Yeah. I right. think and growing I
3: me, mean, I'm not pointing that at other
0: folks. And I think growing up in Mississippi I was always educated on the behavior Uh and the values came later, which we were talking about, but the being educated on you don't drink, don't smoke, don't do this, don't do that. All those rules, the shouldn't shouldn't, the shouldn't shouldn't, they became blurred with values. So Uh all you had, all you had to reference what I, if you saw injustice, you only had to reference is well. What can I not do to still be in good lining with God and my faith and everything else?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the value got lost. Like
3: that also has to do with white American Christianity making faith so stinking individualized. Yep. Right. If it is just about me doing the right things. To have my personal salvation protected, then I don't have to worry about what's happening out there. I have and, and that that's also how we can, you know, missionaries can can go into places and just preach and not think about fixing what's or not fixing, that's still imperialistic lifting up communities to help fix right This the systems that are broken um you know it doesn't matter if you're starving if
1: i can tell you about jesus you can have salvation Yeah, which which is so it's so interesting because like if we think about like well the actual jesus program right like that's so weird to even think about like Uh, Before we started recording this, I was looking at something by Richard Rohr, Rohr, who um, we all love, I think. Um, And Richard Rohr talks about um, the social program, is what he calls it, that Jesus advocated, advocated for, which he says was based on communion, friendship, distribution, and partnership. And so, like, the idea that, like, we can go in and just tell people about Jesus are we telling people about the fullness of Jesus or are we telling them about like, like a very personal Jesus, uh, which is a strange song reference to make? But anyway, um, (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah, like I just like the Jesus program is a lot more, a lot more than just a personal savior. It's, it's, there's a lot of equity and justice built within him. And so, Richard Rohr talks about uh, his version of the covenant idea is about contribution, responsibility, and care that works both ways in the context of equity and mutual respect. So, for Richard Rohr, that's the Jesus message. But that's not always the Jesus message that missionaries. What were bring. those
0: three things again?
1: The three things uh, uh, covenant contribution responsibility and care work both ways in the context of equity and mutual respect
0: that's interesting if you put that in the context of your personal relationship with god it has to work both ways mm-hmm. it's amazing how god ever kept pursuing us
3: <laughs> that's why <there> are so <laughs> many stinking governors
0: <laughs> because <laughs> it usually never works both ways right it's been working one way for a long time yeah yeah oh man
2: it's a testament to god's love yeah mm-hmm. i yeah. think <laughs> and also an encouragement for us to continue the work
3: yes and not necessarily beat ourselves up for there being a learning curve right right that are. yeah
0: and it's also good for our church to hear this, to be reminded that we are living in a covenant, mm-hmm. that it works both ways.
3: And to think of the responsibility of that covenant, right? There is, there's covenant with God, there's covenant with us as a faith community, but we really should be expanding that to covenant with, with our community and covenant really with all of humankind. Mm-hmm and you said the word mutual or mutuality like mutuality yeah, mutual is yeah. yeah that that's that's key that's 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 key right there right that's what gets us off of the hierarchical ladder that yeah. there's mutual respect yeah. where everybody's got everybody's contributing right everybody's mm-hmm. got not, and not that not just that everyone needs to contribute but everyone has gifts and knowledge to contribute. And we're all less whole without that.
1: Right. Well, and that's, that's actually, it's funny you say that because that's actually where Richard Rohr goes next in this passage. He says, uh, all persons are respected equally while particular gifts and expertise organize collective uh, activity appropriate for the benefit of all. And so it's like mutual respect but different talents. But it's not because any one set of talents is like the good set it's because i mean y'all we're a mess it's gonna take (laughs) all hands on deck right um but i really like the fact that he emphasizes so much the benefit of all because i don't think that's necessarily always our default setting is we do we really wake up every morning and say okay what god is calling me to is benefit for all how do i live that out today
0: most people are like, how do I get through this day? God, right. that's the prayer.
3: <laughs> Please let me
0: survive. <laughs> yeah. But
3: what you just said is the kingdom of God. Right. Right. What you just described.
0: That prayer was. kingdom Is of God.
3: how the kingdom of God comes about. And my belief is that God's covenant. Will be fully realized. When. There is the kingdom of God on earth. So that's ultimately what we as people of faith should be striving for. Like what, what you ask, you know, what we ask in the morning, like that should be it. How can, what what's my role in. What's benefiting? my role in benefit for all today? Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, it's interesting. I know it it seems like so unrelated, but like what God has kind of worked with me on over the past few years is, um, accepting myself as, as like, all the things that I am. So, <clears throat> when I was in college, um, I was in a woman's studies class. i never raised my hand. I had nothing to contribute, but I was going to be a good student, a good listener. But my professor decided to call on me one day, and um, he was asking me, "Well, what do you think about, you know, some of these issues surrounding women and, and women's rights?" I was like, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm. I'm I have to deal so much with being black that I don't get time to really think of myself as a woman. And so like I'm com- I'm combating so many things about being African-American that I don't always think of myself as a woman. And so like this is where I think uh, intersectionality has really come into play to talk about just all of my pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're talking about, you know, covenant for all and, and looking at all these things that like it is unique to have black issues, to have lesbian issues to have um, issues as a woman and like they kind of make something just completely unique Mm -hmm. to every single one of those individual categories Uh, and so you know that's where like I really think I've begun to see like no like really all the groups have to be uh, we have to work on all marginalized groups and so like none of us free until all of us are free
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know another video that by the time we this podcast comes out the church will have heard it because it's going to be part of our service this week uh has a has a little interview with Malcolm uh Geit and he talks about the idea of covenanted discomfort and I think one of the things that just ties in maybe to what you were just talking about Courtney is like he's he's talking a little bit about how um You know, when we're in church and we bring all of our differences into the church, like, I think we like to just, you know, stay where what's comfortable and focus on just like what's easy and, you know, who's similar to us and stay in these kind of little pockets. Um, And he's sort of saying that, um, you know, part of the covenanted discomfort is pushing us beyond those comfort zones and trying to get us to like look at how do we connect with people? with all the different experiences that are out there. Um, And he specifically says uh, the liturgy helps us say the hard thing. And I think it's like, for me, it was this image of like reaching across the aisle and starting to look for perspectives that aren't ours and seeing the way that all these things uh, that a person brings to the table are like integrated. And yeah, we
3: don't as We're we're considered a low church tradition, like, you know, and we're like low of low church at Commonwealth Baptist because we have very little liturgy and we're just not, we're not formal at all. And so we don't, we don't have, you know, we don't say a creed every week, right? about as far as we get, as we say the Lord's Prayer every week. And when we were together, we would pass the peace. Now, a lot of people just greet each other instead right. of saying the peace be with you and also with you. Our, our peace and peace of Christ be with you. And I, I mean, there's, there's something to that, right? If you think about going up to someone that maybe you're having personal conflict with mm-hmm. and saying peace be with you there's, there's, that creates a connection and a bond, right? Or going up to someone whose life experience means that they may not be having peace right now, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about, you know, our church, um, let's say when, when the Obergefell court case was kind of up in the air, right? That caused a whole lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. in our church to, to go to someone and say, peace be with you. When you know that what's going on in their life or their circumstances because of who all the pieces of who they are, uh-huh. as Courtney was saying, it's causing them a lack of peace. Right. That in and of itself is community building and building that mutual care and and respect uh-huh. that I can recognize, you know, if I'm mad at you, I don't want you to have peace, but I'm telling you that I do. What does that mean? Or. I recognize that your circumstance means that you are not experiencing peace right now. Mm -hmm. And I wish that for you. Mm -hmm. That acknowledgement in and of itself is is creating mutuality. If I can recognize that circumstances are causing you to not have peace right now, I end up sharing some of that with you. Mm -hmm. That's how we get
1: empathy, right? We empathize and that's in our church covenant right like uh, we will participate in each other's joys sure sure but we will also bear with compassion and empathy each other's burdens and sorrows and so I think part of that is the ability to like show up and be interested and invested in understanding um, what the folks in our community bring to the table every time they they come to the although we don't actually come to tables right now but you know you
2: know what I mean. One day. One day. Virtually, virtually come to the table. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, Sherry was talking about liturgy, and um, we're talking about just like the everybody's gifts kind of coming together, and it's important for everybody to have their gifts come together. And I think that it's what, what it brought to my mind is just the elements of our worship, right? Mm-hmm. So we have the music. We have the call to worship. We have the prayer. We have the sermon. We have the children's sermon. uh, And then we have the benediction, right? And I think all of those play a role. And I have a confession to make. A lot of times I base my children's sermon on the call to worship that Sherry writes. uh, Because like it, 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 it condenses what I know the message is. And then I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pull from this because I have to give a condensed message to the kids and something that's like, relatable and so like they all work together to and and some people might get more out of one than the other but that's that's on purpose right it's on purpose it's intentional um that we're using our gifts humor uh you know creativity musicality to you know work with each other to bring us all closer to what god would have us to be
1: mm-hmm. i love that
2: you know, it's interesting.
1: This week, um, I tend well. I've been writing the calls to worship a little later and later each week lately, because um, I can plug them into the sermon at the last minute.
3: That's okay. Cordy's been doing this. Ch- Maybe that's why she's doing she she waits for me later and later.
2: <laughs> she's waiting on <laughs> I you. Do. I do. I'm your like, your well. what am I supposed to talk about? <laughs> <laughs>
1: But it's sometimes, some weeks, it's so interesting how, like, all the pieces just come together anyway. Um, like, there will be weeks that maybe I don't have a chance to catch up with Robin and uh, Marty and figure out, like, what are they preaching about? And so I just kind of wing it. And then somehow, like, I love it when all the pieces just come together. And so this past week, you know, the call to worship and the whole sermon was about hope. Um And Ryan, our minister of epic music, I've decided that's his new title. He's
3: going to freak out to hear a minister
1: in there. (laughs) Oh, director.
3: Okay, director of epic
1: music. Fine. (laughs) Um, But like he and I, like, I didn't look at what he was doing in terms of his music either. And it was like our original Ryan song. uh, But the call to worship and his song just talk to each other in this really awesome way. Um, I love it when a plan comes together
2: right that that wasn't actually a plan i i love that too because my plan right god's (laughs) plan comes together it's always nice to be a part of it Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah final thoughts y'all this has been a great great chat
2: i've enjoyed my first podcast that's gonna be my thought this was this was fun
1: yeah well we enjoyed having you courtney
2: well thank you for having me
1: have you on more podcasts
2: sure why not (laughs)
1: you get
0: good insight courtney
1: yes indeed Indeed. um any final notes do we need another bible drill anyone no we're good we're good this week no i have adhd
2: i'm not gonna remember all that stuff (laughs) i remember the big picture love yeah that seems important (laughs) it's one of the big ones yeah
1: i'm always impressed by people that can memorize all that stuff but the big ideas are what we need um so next week we'll do another one and we'll uh keep looking at what the world needs now so thanks y'all thank, thank you. you thank you
0: This podcast
3: is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at
2: www.thismostunbelievablelife.com.